Uh, well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I we had a little. There was a little discussion about having uh, Charlie Dent and uh, Jim Jordan and uh, another uh, member here to see if they could reconcile their differences and find some ways to work together. Actually, uh, I've been trying to help uh, with that, uh, despite my sometimes. Uh, reputation for being a little crusty. So, uh, the uh, you know the president uh, wanted to talk about a trillion dollars of infrastructure investment, uh, and uh, well, yeah, Hillary talked about five hundred billion. So then, not to get down, he said a trillion. Uh, now they they're a little short on specifics, and I'll get into that in a moment. But I decided to be uh, helpful, and I put together a package of three bills. Uh, on which I have uh, the first one is a no-brainer anywhere except in Washington D.C. Uh, which is to spend the harbor maintenance tax on harbor maintenance. Uh, every time you buy an, an imported good, there's a minuscule ad valorem tax on the value of that good as it comes through the port. Uh, and since the Reagan era, that money has uh, purportedly uh, been set aside for harbor maintenance. Unfortunately, every year Congress sees fit to divert almost half the money into a theoretical trust fund which never gets spent. Uh, the balance is closing in on $10 billion in that trust fund. Yet we have uh, in our 59 largest harbors, uh, we have uh, on a daily basis an average of 35% of capacity uh, because of a lack of dredging. And then of course we have jetties failing uh, in many places and we're looking at a whole new generation of ships that are going to even even more depth. Uh, so uh, I introduced a bill that would actually uh, make the harbor maintenance trust fund into a real trust fund, like the highway trust fund, and say that those monies can only be spent uh, on harbor maintenance, and actually, uh, you know, begin to spend those monies. Over 10 years, we could invest about $30 billion if we spent the full amount of the tax coming in, and uh, the uh, accumulated theoretical balance in the theoretical trust fund somewhere in the bowels of the treasury. So I introduced uh, that bill with uh, Mike Kelly from Pennsylvania, Freedom Caucus member, because I'm trying to demonstrate that we can put these things together. Uh, second bill uh, is uh, for airports. Uh, the president has, uh, you know, repeatedly talked about what dumps our airports are. Now he probably hasn't been in the airports in Oregon because ours, ours are pretty good, but uh, he's probably been in, you know, Newark or LaGuardia or I don't know where he's been or whatever FDOs he's using for his jets, but. Um, they are, uh, and there is again a huge unfunded need. A lot of airports are bonded out. Uh, the woman who runs Denver, for instance, they need additional uh, uh, gates uh, to extend their, their terminals. Um, they have entered into an incredibly innovative uh, P3 uh, to rebuild the main terminal, uh, but uh, for the other terminals, uh, she doesn't have the funds, uh, and the air airlines, strangely enough, aren't interested in having more gates. Uh, it has something, I think, to do with worrying about competition. So the only way she can get there is if she could raise her passenger facility charge and bond it, uh, and then have uh, a cash flow. So uh, I introduced a bill uh, again with uh, a Freedom Caucus member, uh, Mr. Massey from Kentucky, uh, to lift the cap on the passenger facility charge and allow the airports uh, to deal with their $34 billion of unfunded needs. Uh, now the airlines will tell you this, that this is horrible because if Denver raises the passenger facility charge $1, no one will ever fly again. <laughs> However, if they charge you 50 bucks for your bag, you'll say, oh, thank you very much, I really like that. Oh, and $25 to sit on the aisle? Oh, I love it. This is like, 
So again, I think they're worried about uh, new capacity and new entrants. So I've introduced that bill. Uh, now those two are you know, relatively minor. The biggest uh, need we have is for um, service transportation. Hundred, over $100 billion backlog to bring existing transit out of a state of good repair. And anybody who lives in this city knows how bad Metro was. We're actually killing people because it was so bad uh, in the emergency repairs that have been done let alone to talk about building out new capacity in the system to help people get out of their cars. So $100 billion just to bring it up to state of good repair. National Highway System, 40% of the pavement has failed to the point where you have to rebuild the roadbed, not just resurface it. And uh, on bridges, we've got 140,000 bridges that uh, need uh, substantial repair or replacement. So, uh, you know, I've tried all through the Obama administration. I was one of very few Democrats to vote against the so-called uh, Recovery Act. Uh, you know, idiot Larry Summers turned it into uh, a tax cut bill uh, instead of an infrastructure investment bill. I tried to get Jim Overstar to vote the committee against it. And Jim said, oh no, they promised me the next thing will be a big infrastructure package. Well, uh, I said to Jim, uh, God rest his soul, that you've been here a lot longer than me, but in DC the next thing never happens in my experience, and it didn't. Uh, they pulled the plug. And I tried numerous things throughout the Obama administration to get more revenues and uh, was never quite successful, except in his last budget, his lame duck budget, he put in a kind of a strange version of my proposal for a barrel tax to fund infrastructure. That was real helpful in his last lame duck budget. So um, I decided, look, you know, there's a lot of aversion around here to taxes or whatever, but how do you do something that's laughable, that is so minuscule that anybody could put their name on it. So um, I'm proposing very simply to index the existing gas and diesel taxes to construction cost inflation and fleet fuel economy. Uh, and the projections are, if we did that, and oh, by the way, I capped the annual increase. If we ever have runaway inflation, the annual increase can never be more than one and a half cents a gallon. But if we did that, uh, we could uh, borrow $500 billion, we'd tranche it, we would borrow the money over uh, uh, 15 years, uh, and it would be all 30-year bonds, and it would all be paid for by that little increment on the gas and the diesel tax. Now, I didn't get any Freedom Caucus members on that, but I did get Lou Barletta uh, on that bill. So there's three bipartisan bills. Uh, and I sent them down to the president and talked I mean, uh, talk to DJ Gribben and others down there. Uh, about this package. It, it, the funny story is uh, someone uh, who I know told me that when Elaine Chow heard that I had uh, these three bills, uh, two of them with Freedom Caucus members, she said, oh, I can't wait till I go home and tell Mitch about that. It's the class they own the Freedom Caucus. Well, I'm trying to show them there is a way to work together on this stuff. Uh, but, you know, we've got to put substance there. And just in closing, I'm worried about diversions. Uh, we heard uh, some uh, last week or the week before, they started talking about, oh, well, the feds will only put up $200 billion, and then we're going to get $800 billion out of the cities and counties and states. Well, 24 states have already raised their gas tax in the last uh, three years. Uh, they've already, my state just did it, we're the 24th. And, uh, you know, so the states are doing their part, but they need the federal partnership. This isn't a 50-state uh, system. It's a national system, and some of the needs are national bottlenecks. They're huge. 
Uh, we need the substantial federal investment. And if we get diverted into, uh, you know, I, I know there's someone here from the Australian Embassy which is trying to sell us asset recycling, something they did for two years in Australia. They don't do it anymore, but they think it would be great for us to do it because their investment companies want to buy infrastructure here. <coughs> Uh, you know, we studied this very comprehensively a few years ago on the committee, bipartisan consensus after a year of hearings, real hearings and meetings, uh, is that privatization P3s could deal with somewhere between 9 and 12 percent of our infrastructure needs. That's it. So for the other 88 to 91 percent, we need a partnership of the states, the feds, uh, local governments, and then yes, there are some projects, uh, ironically, mostly in blue areas of the country where P3s will pencil out uh, and you can make money on privatizing infrastructure, but most places you can't, particularly not in the uh, red states. So um, that's, uh, that's where I'm at, uh, and uh, I'm actually meeting with DJ today. Uh, he's coming down, he likes, it turns out he likes craft beer, so. In my only leadership role as co-chair with the Pratt Brewers Caucus, I, I'm going to fly him with beer and hopefully make some progress on these issues. Thanks very much. He used the term crusty to, to describe himself. I would use the word clear. He was always very clear on where he is on the issue. So, uh, uh, but let me start off by saying, first of all, thanks to the Ripplin Society and the Franklin Center uh, for bringing together a bipartisan group, because I think Peter makes the point very well that, that we got to figure out ways to come together, not just on infrastructure, but a lot of different areas. Uh, I, I believe that our committee over the last four and a half years or so has been able to come together in a bipartisan way to get a number of bills done, complicated bills, highway bill, a couple of word of bills. Um, and now we're working on uh, uh, FEMA. We did a Coast Guard bill this year. I guess we did like time to to fly. Uh, we're working on a FEMA bill to tweak it to make sure that the folks in Texas and the Southeast and Florida uh, make sure that the, the relief is coming to them faster and, and streamlined so they can get themselves uh, back on their feet as fast as possible. So, so again, we're working on those, those areas uh, as we move forward. Uh, of course, one of my highest priorities, which has uh, been a point of uh, partisan uh, on, on the committee is to make sure we pass an FAA bill. I don't think there's any disagreement that the FAA needs to be reformed. It's just how we go about it, and it's uh, obviously uh, a high priority. And just to let you know, uh, uh, the schedule for that is uh, we were going to have it on the floor this week, but the hurricanes shortened our week, and, and we've got some other things on the floor. Uh, we intend to come back uh, after the recess and do a, an extension. We're working with our, our counterparts on the committee to try to figure out what's the what's the best timeline for an extension, and then in early October, uh, move to the floor with our FAA bill that, again, uh, we, we, don't, we don't see eye to eye on, uh, on, on the uh, on specifically how we move forward. But that put aside, uh, Peter makes uh, some very good points, uh, and in the spirit of bipartisanship, uh, I think he's right on two out of his three uh, points he puts forward. The first, the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund, I absolutely agree with Peter. There's, there's $1.8 billion, and it's growing every year. The user fee that goes into that fund, Peter's absolutely right, they spend about half of it, and then we put it in this lockbox uh, that's out there, and I think 10 billion is the number. Um, and I certainly support that, although Peter put it on the floor on our last word of bill, but there's a, a rule in the House which of course can be overcome, but it's very difficult, and that is a, 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 the budget rules, uh, and we couldn't move forward with that. So I'm committed, and I've already spoken to the White House about taking that fund and make sure it's a user fee. It's in a trust fund, and when you have a user fee, uh, we trust that the money is going to be spent on what its intended purposes, and, and we have a tremendous amount of need in our ports and harbors. So again, I, I agree with Peter on, on that one. 
I'll move to his third, uh, second point uh, on the, the PFCs. Uh, I, I disagree with him uh, to the extent that, you know, the traveling public, he says the airlines, it's the traveling public that pays those fees. And every time we get into a little bit of a pinch for some money, we want to just slap on just a little fee onto the traveling public to let them pay for things that don't even relate uh, to airports and to aviation. We divert those dollars. Uh, so I think it's fair to say the traveling public and the airlines and those stakeholders that are involved want to see true reform. And I think after you get true reform, then we can talk about these other things. But just to slap on another fee, another tax on them, uh, I, I just disagree with until we see real reform is what we're trying to do. So I disagree with him on that point. But the third point that he makes is we have got to figure out how to uh, make the federal investment into our infrastructure. And I agree with Peter that there is a federal role and it's significant. It's a national transportation system. Uh, diverting it back to the states or putting it on the states, which what you're going to get is a patchwork of, of investment. You know, one state's going to invest, another state won't. And Peter's famous for putting up his, his Kansas and, and Oklahoma. Kansas built the interstate to the Oklahoma line in the 50s, and they stopped because Oklahoma didn't have the money. There is a federal rule. We have to figure out how to do it. And I am open to look at any way, shape, or form on moving forward on how we how we do that. From, from Peter's ideas, I know Mark Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma's got an idea on, on, a, on a, I guess it's a carbon tax. Look at that. And of course, the president has not taken the gas tax off the table. I think that's something that we ought to be looking across the board. A trillion dollars is not going to come from the federal government. Uh, but we've got to look at different ways. Peter's right. Uh, I might disagree with him on his, uh, on his percentages, P3s. I think they can do a, a bit more than that. Um, but again, I'm open to look at every way, shape, or form. And as you mentioned, over 20 states, my state of Pennsylvania has dealt with it. Uh, they did something a little different, but they increase the the, uh, the fee at the pump is has gone up in Pennsylvania. They got about three billion dollars more uh, to spend over a period of time. So again, states that have done that, Republican states, Pennsylvania did it with a Republican governor, a Republican House, and a Republican Senate, and nobody lost their election when they dealt with that because the American people understand the need to invest in infrastructure. So again, I'm open to all that. Now it's great we have three countries here: uh, Australia, Canada, and Japan that are very interested in their infrastructure, and they're also uh, talking to us about what they've been doing. Canada has done a great job of uh, doing public-private partnerships and other forms to invest in their infrastructure. Uh, you've got the, the Japanese are here talking about high-speed rail and investing in high-speed rail in America. I think they're very involved down in Texas in that project uh, down there. And Australia uh, has done infrastructure spending, uh, and again, uh, Peter and I disagree on this. I, I don't think it's the the, the silver bullet that solves all our problems, but once again, I'm open to look at anything, and their asset recycling is something we ought to take a look at, because everywhere in the world, everywhere in the world, that, that a nation that's, that's advanced, they're looking at these, and they're actually doing these types of things, and so I think it's going to take all different kinds of, uh, of programs and thinking outside the box, is how do we invest in infrastructure? Um, and, and as Peter said, you know, sending it back to the states, uh, I, I don't think that's the, the devolution. It's pretty much dead, I think, for some people still talking about it. But, uh, but again, I, I don't think that the, the federal government ought to give up its role in making sure that we have the best uh, interstate highway system, the transportation system in the world, and we don't today because we have not invested. So, so again, there's a lot of ground for Peter and I to, to work together on, and uh, we're working closely with the White House. I heard he was going to DJ. 
I sent a text to DJ and said, make sure you have good beer, because the couple times I didn't have good beer, I caught hell for it. Uh, okay, that's good. That's always a safe bet. Um, but it, it's good, that, and I encourage the White House to sit down and talk with our counterparts on the other side of the aisle, because we are not going to do an infrastructure bill if we don't, with our Democratic partners, and I, and I agree with them, unless we pay for it. You know, putting up uh, more debt, there's a way to go about it. There's different ideas out there. We ought to be looking at everything and, uh, and bringing our Democratic colleagues on board because infrastructure is not a Republican and a Democrat issue. It's always been an American issue. Uh, everybody wants good roads. Everybody wants you know, safe airports and flying safely. You know, the ports and our harbors or inland waterway system, all of it has to work together. And so, again, this is an issue that I believe if we go about it and the White House goes about it in the right way, we'll be able to do a big infrastructure bill and everybody will walk away kind of happy. Not completely happy, uh, but uh, with that, let me end there, and uh, we can open for questions, I guess, uh, Jim. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, you did such a great job with your definitions uh, from different parts. You get the first or the last question. Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> I, I know what that is. <laughs> Pennsylvania is universal. No, no, I don't have a question, but I did want to publicly say thank you to the chairman and to the committee. Because our resorts got um, just decimated, mostly in the Caribbean. And the committee, with the chairman's help, did a really good job of evacuating our members and guests and getting them out of harm's way and then on a cargo plane, really to safety. So I just want to say these are things behind the scenes that a lot of folks don't experience and don't know and don't get talked about. But it's so important because it really saved lives. So I want to say thank you. Thank you. Here. Scott? Sure. Here you go, Scott. Is the, is the prospect or possibility of a tax infrastructure mega package still alive? And if so, how do you think it unfolds? Uh, well, I, infrastructure and taxes, I mean, if we're going to pay for it, it has to come through a ways and means uh, vehicle. Uh, so as we move forward, they, you know, I believe taxes will go first, but we got to be pretty closely behind it. And that was the case uh, in the FAST Act. Paul Ryan at the time was the mayor. Or the mayor. <laughs> I'm looking at Debbie. She's the car of the mayor. Uh, it was the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee at the time, and he was negotiating with Chuck Schumer. And every week I would go to him, or he'd come to me, and we'd talk about how the talks were progressing. And he would say, don't get too far ahead of me. I need an infrastructure package because Schumer would, would go along with some of these tax reforms, but he, he wanted to see an infrastructure package. So I, I think they have to move closely together. Uh, taxes obviously first, but if we're going to do an infrastructure bill, I, I certainly don't want to move an infrastructure bill forward, have this big grand bill, and then the Ways and Means Committee doesn't figure out a way to, to bring us the revenue. So. Uh, you know, the whether or what the tax bill will be, I mean, it seems to have devolved from tax reform to tax cuts. Uh, and whether you could shoehorn in uh, something into that bill that would fund infrastructure, uh, you know, it would look insignificant. Uh, you know, I mean, every, every penny on the gas tax federally raises about $1.6 billion. So, um, you know, if they put a dime in there, uh, something like that, I don't think hardly anybody would notice with all the other controversy, but whether or not uh, the will is there to do that, I, I don't know. Uh, but it would be actually preferable to get something done there and then to follow on with authorizations of, you know, what we're going to do with the additional funds. Although, you know, 
there is a provision in the FAST Act, which I put in, which says that if any additional money is allocated to surface transportation, <coughs> flows through the existing bill. All the formulas, everything in there, just proportionally the money would go out. The money would be in the states tomorrow if we pass the tax today, because the authorization's already there. We don't even have to go through the bill and create new programs or anything else. It just, it's already authorized to flow through. 